Welcome to part two of the Real Scotland Glasgow Film Fest Roundup. There are three of us here trying to uh, review all the films that we saw at the Glasgow Film Festival. Myself, Jonathan Melville. Ross McLean. And Richard Bodsworth. So we covered quite a few films in the first podcast. And this time around we're going to start off with you instead, David McKenzie's new film. We're then going to go on to Island and The Big Uneasy. And I think we're going to finish off really with a roundup of of the various films that were shown at Fright Fest this year. A lot of horror films, really, and sort of fantasy type films. But um, we're going to kick off with you instead, which was has been touted. We've heard of for a while now. It was, it was made last year, the 2010 T in the Park Festival, uh, Scottish Music Festival, made over four days by director David McKenzie, who also made uh, Halm Foe and Young Adam. And this one is about, well, it's about four days at the festival. It's about two lead singers of two two bands. And in the opening moments, we see one of the bands um, sitting in a little car one of the, the with the main the main actor <laughs> Luke Luke Treadaway, um, playing the guitar with his with his his pal, and within about three or four minutes, this other band for some reason come up the Dirty Pinks that's what they're called. They come along, they start rocking the 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 car around, and for some reason a prophet Is that comes along. Supposed to, be? supposed to be a prophet comes along to try and stop them fighting. He um, adds handcuffs to the two main actors which is Luke Treadaway and Natalia Tena mm-hmm. who's also in Harry Potter films um, and that's that's how things start off so how did you find out it was a prophet did you have to ask someone I asked her <laughs> <laughs> okay because I, I, I never I never I just thought that. he was some crazy and the way he was dressed he looked like a sailor or mm-hmm. something like those well like off duty or something. He had like those stupid white trousers. Well, and this that is the blue thing. Jacket. But what I've just said there—that that introduction—that literally happens. I was saying in the first five minutes. Yeah. By the time they credits, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I've told you the name of the bands, and that's a prophet, and the name of the act, the actors. But you don't know any of this, really. It's not very clear who this guy was, who these people are, um, and so there's no build up to the characters, no, no way to set them up before you. I mean, the introduction you just described there is as ridiculous as it sounds. Sums up perfectly. The introduction to the film, which for me was just the most inauspicious start to the I film. I laughed. I think I laughed for ten minutes. Like the whole, it's just so bad. The whole thing was so bad. The, the opening, but or just well, yeah. But I mean, the the opening, just with that, they've all got those stupid accents. I don't know why everyone's got to be American. They're being filmed for an interview for some eco website channel. Is that what that was supposed to be? I don't understand that. I either. mean, it certainly started out documentary style, and that's quickly dropped within. Again, by the time the end credits have finished, that whole documentary aesthetic's gone. Yeah, and there's some great musical cameos by like the great Newton Faulkner or the Proclaimers. <laughs> well, I must admit, I, I've never been to to Tina Park, and I didn't know half these people were. Uh, which, I mean, I suppose that didn't spoil it. In fact, I didn't know, but I could tell that guy Newton Faulkner he was must probably be the, supposed like, to be someone. He must have been the lowest of the low. He must have been like. He must have kind of been like a big name. I mean, he must it, be right at the bottom. One like of the, the things that struck me about the music featured in the film, considering it was the festival, and this only applies to the bands on screen, but it certainly didn't, to me, seem like an accurate reflection of the festival. I mean, I know that they get bigger names than that, and they get better names than that. There was Jay Z <clears> that year. Yeah, I mean, there, there were big names, but clearly none of the big names 
signed the rights to their likeness for, for use within this film. Well, they just got the proclaimers. So these guys are then chained together and then, for the rest of the film, and it's supposed to be hilarious that these, these guys can't get um, themselves separated, and there are hilarious moments of them trying to speak to people behind the scenes who are actors as well. It's not like they actually went up to, to real people and said, so there's, because there's one guy, I think he looks like he's in River City or something, who yeah. plays, plays a sort of stagehand Type oh, yeah, character yeah. and he makes funny and jokes. There's, and there's Bobby from Still Game playing there. Uh... Took me so long to realise who that was. Where well, he had like that tash. He yeah. was like the band and manager again, doing an American accent. Yeah, it is really well shot. I mean, it looks really good. I think for considering how long. It yeah, they had four it. days and they, they shot it in real real time. Yeah, actually, it looks really good. It looks um, amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I will go that far. And I'm a sucker for these kind of indie romance films. And it kind of wanted to be something like In Search of a Midnight Kiss or Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, one of those kind of things. That element of it wasn't entirely successful, but for me there were a few moments of that kind of tugged at the heartstrings that were quite nice little moments. And there were little shots, like I think my favourite shot in the film was in the, the kind of the dawn hours and the, the campsites filled with seagulls and they're flying around and they run through the seagulls, and it's, it's cheesy, but I like the look of it. You're right. I mean, there, there are a couple of moments, and this is it. There are moments that you could sort of feel um, have something, but they're just moments. That, right. That's all. I mean, um, Alistair McKenzie turns up, mm. who I must admit I'm not a huge fan of, um, but to me he was actually the best thing in it, which I'm not sure that says much because I would normally not think he was great so but then there's a really awful shoehorned in romantic subplot for him as well and it all everything oh that's just, horrible yeah. everything just seems so neatly tied well, up this is the, this is the problem i had with it they're not none of it is as a romance it fails because none of it is romantic it's it's the caricatures and it's not like anyone's having romance what what they're saying is if i think or what you you could look you could um what what you could say is that you know if you were at a, a festival, if there were a good looking couple, a good looking guy, and a good looking girl, and they happen to be famous as well, so it helps, and they happen to get chained up over the course of twenty four hours, there's a good chance they're probably going to get off with each other. All you need to do is sing "Tainted Love" together, yeah, and then that's you. So if they're a bit, a bit drunk and a bit high and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff, there's a good chance they're probably going to end up yeah. um, uh, romantically involved, if yeah. you like. But it's for the course of the festival, so. But the end of the film, and you see, and this goes on. There's this horrible montage where you of see all these falling over. people falling <laughs> over, people getting off with each other, and it's very much just that thing of okay, they're doing it because they're at a festival, they're drunk, they're whatever. Yeah. But by the end of the film, I didn't believe that anyone in that film was going to ever be together, and, oh, and yeah. the main couple. Well, I mean, the main couple were just a kind of a contrived, like elegantly wasted cliche of of ragged clothes and kind of giving off this essence of kind of cool, the jacket hanging off them and everything. And there's just a series of kind of contrived, quirky scenes of of them bonding, like with, through a mud fight. And uh, for me, a really horrible moment in the shower where they're playing around with the water in the shower and washing the mud off each other. It just all felt contrived. And the characters never, I never felt for either of the two characters, I never felt there was a chemistry between them or... No. Or an investment in their burgeoning relationship. To be honest, as much as I, when I got out, I thought it was terrible. I, but then I realised, looking back the last couple of days, realised that I laughed so much. I don't know if it was more at it, but I actually now quite enjoy it. 
For the uh, right reasons or the wrong reasons? I don't know. I can't tell. I think I'll need to watch it again. But well, like, I mean, when, when I, I left, I was like, oh, that was terrible. But then I realised, looking back, how much I laughed, I don't know if I was just laughing at the right bits or yeah. if I were laughing at the wrong bits. I mean, when we left, I was the only even remotely positive voice yeah. <laughs> in a chorus of disapproval. I, yeah. I mean, there were, as I said, there were moments I liked. I couldn't say it was entirely successful, but it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, okay, interesting experiment. And speaking to people who have actually been to Tea in the Park, I don't know if either of you have. I've not. But knowing people who have, they said that they, having been there, they liked seeing things that they, they knew. They liked some of the stands that sold hats and things, and they could recognise the sort of the, that sort of atmosphere. Um, but when actually pushed on the story, and would they watch it again, the answer was um, didn't think anything of the story and wouldn't watch it again. Certainly wouldn't buy it on DVD. There's no rewatch value to it. I think I will. I will but, actually buy it on DVD. I think wow. the one thing that convinced That's, me, yeah, really, yeah. I think the biggest thing that convinced me was that it convinced me that I never want to go to Tea in the Park, which <laughs> well, I, I don't think was the intention of that film. Snap. Especially with the guy who runs Tea in the Park as the executive producer. Yeah. So it's probably done the opposite of what they were hoping for me anyway. All right, well, the next two films, uh, again, uh, I, I'm the only one that saw these films, so I'll try and keep it brief. But uh, the first one was Island, starring Colin Morgan and Natalie Press, and it's based on a novel of the same name uh, about a young woman. Start, start of the film, you see this young woman uh, going to, on the bus, going to some island in Scotland. You don't know which one it is. I think it was filmed on Mull, but you don't know that at the time. I don't think it's ever named. So she arrives in this island and goes to a local shop and, and asks where this certain person lives. And within a few minutes, you just realise it's not a very the, the character is not that um, nice or friendly, very standoffish. And that kind of attitude lasts all the way through the film. And that's one of the main problems with it. This this strange characteristic that she's not very friendly, not very likable, um, but she's kind of the, the heroine. Um, so she ends up at this this little house run by a woman played by uh, Janet McTeer, who it turns out quite quickly is this girl's mother, but the woman doesn't know that she's her mother. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So the the mother runs this little house with her son, Merlin. Um, Merlin. Um, uh, I think his name is, played by Colin Morgan, and he's slightly simple, and he's about twenty four, and he's been on this island all his life. And it turns out that the dad died in a boating accident years before, a fishing accident. So she doesn't let the sun go too far. And so that's it's all just sister. a little bit... Tell me that's not like his sister. So that's his sister? It's his sister. Does anyone want to try and get Well, yeah, yeah, but he doesn't know it's his sister. <laughs> so, no one, so she's the only one that knows who they are, but they don't know who she is. And um, Natalie Press, who can be very good, uh, really isn't very good in this. Because she, she's an actress I really like. Well, I, mean, she's, I love her in My Summer of Love and things like that. She's a really, really great well, actress. It turns out, and not, not having read the book, I didn't know this, but um, after the film they, they did a, a little Q&A and it turns out that the, the, the book is very much from her perspective. It's, it's a first-person narrative. So they obviously had to try and um, make a, a lot of her her internal monologue and, and thought processes, trying to externalise that. And I think that's where it probably falls down quite a lot because, as I said earlier, she has this very um, odd attitude towards people, which you just don't know why. You just can't work out. You think, why would, why would I want to feel anything for this character who isn't nice to anyone? And there's some funny things going on with the mum. Um, when 
we first see her, one of the first times we see her, she's in her kitchen, a little dark, dark little kitchen, and she's very, um, she doesn't, she looks a little bit like a witch, I suppose you could say, because that, that's then what the character says, she says, witch, as she goes out the door. So there's this strange kind of thing going on the whole time where you're sort of meant to wonder, is she, is she a witch? Has she got these powers or something? And she makes these little potions and concoctions and things. What? And I know, and without, I don't want to spoil too much. There is a, a sequence later on where something happens, and you're meant to think to think that this was a, a spell cast by this woman, but it's so badly, it's it's kind of fumbled. So sounds like Merlin. <laughs> Maybe it was Merlin, <laughs> did it? Um, so really, no, it didn't didn't work for me. And the other one that I watched was The Big Uneasy, which is. Harry Shearer's new film. Harry Shearer is Mr. Burns in The Simpsons. And, and more importantly, he's uh, Derek Smalls from Spinal Tap. That's right. And he he directed this film. It's a film about um, Katrina, the Katrina disaster in New Orleans, uh, the natural disaster, which he claims isn't a natural disaster. His, according to the film, the, um, the protection around the city, uh, the various walls and um, flood protection systems were flawed and that when the when Katrina hit it damaged certain parts of of this of this um, this flood system and let the water in and flooded various parts of the city that should have been protected so the film looks at the the aftermath of Katrina and it looks at the public investigation that was held and there were three or four scientists that were they were asked to look at what happened how it happened and how to prevent it happening again. And the really kind of tragic part of, of it is that they started to uncover all these these um, problems with with the with the defence system. Uh, and the system had been built by the US Army Corps. And so what Harry Shearer and the scientists are saying is that they failed the US, that it wasn't a natural disaster at all, and that the press really came along and then reported that all these things had happened and then just left and left everyone to it. So, yeah, it's really, it's quite tough to watch. So, I mean, that that would be something I was about to ask there. Um, I mean, Harry Shearer's obviously known as a comedian. I mean, he's known for The Simpsons, he's known for Spinal Tap, he's known for these other Christopher Guest films. Sounds like there's not an awful lot of comedy in this. There's not. I mean, he's he's a, he pops up a couple of times in it. Um, rather bizarrely, John Goodman does pop up in it as well. And he's given this, you mentioned there about the humour, he is supposedly hosting this um, this game show, which is all about asking the New Orleanians what why they deserve the help. You know, so but um, but no, Harry Shearer certainly isn't in it that much, uh, and it's really just left to the scientists to explain what happened. And I don't know if it's going to get a proper release or if it's just a kind of festival film. So another one <coughs> that me and you saw, Rich, was the the Fright Fest films. Yeah. Uh, we saw most saw of them. Five of them. I didn't see I any on the Friday. I didn't I saw, see any of the 3D ones. I saw one on Friday and I saw the five on the Saturday. And it's definitely a an, an really enjoyable event, Fright Fest. It's got a completely different feel to that part of the festival. It's like a little sub-festival within the Glasgow Film Festival. And obviously it's an offshoot of the Fright Fest that takes place in London. Friday I went to see Little Deaths, which is an anthology horror film. Um, un, unlike the Hammer ones and the Amicus ones I mean it's very much an anthology film of our time uh, 
and the, the central themes of it are sex and death. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of delicate ways to discuss the plots of the three mini films, <laughs> but um, let's just say there was there was certainly no short uh, shortness of invention in the the ideas they come up with. Uh, the first one was <clears throat> it was probably the weakest of the three. It was a bit throwaway. A couple who, on the surface, appear to be prim and proper, but they have kind of dark desires and lure um, young homeless women into their house. Uh, suffice to say, the tables are turned, and I won't kind of give away too much. It is, as I said, it's the weakest of the three. The second one is called Mutant Tool. Yes! <laughs> which, you have to give it its credit, is a catchy title. And is it really about a mutant tool? And it doesn't disappoint. It's yes. about a Nazi-engineered three-foot phallus <laughs> attached to a man... In uh, enclosed in the basement of a, a hospital or a research facility or something, <laughs> and let's just say that his secretions are <laughs> the basis of a psychotropic drug, which is uh, wow. being manufactured by this kind of unseen or, or little seen doctor. Um, I mean, the, that's the premise for you. And I, there's not much more to it. Than that. How long are these each film? They're about half an hour each. Right. Each of them. Um, I mean, that, that, this one wasn't entirely successful either, but there were certainly <laughs> visual spectacles which I think I'm unlikely to wipe from my mind very easily. Uh, the third one was probably the most successful of the three, um, and it was called Bitch, uh, which is a, a play on a lot of the elements within it. Uh, there's a, this couple, young couple, in a, well, certainly from, from his perspective, an unfulfilling relationship. She doesn't treat him very well. Um, he's very much the submissive one in the relationship, which you see quite graphically. Um, and essentially he, he comes to realise that she's not the one for him and goes about seeking his revenge uh, in quite an out there way. Um, again, I don't want to spoil this for anyone. <laughs> And I'm also aware that there's not really a delicate way of putting the outcome. So it's one to watch. It's very dark. I mean, all three of them are quite dark. And they're, I mean, as I said, not entirely successful, but it was quite a nice start to the, the proceedings. And it, in many ways, it set the tone for, for what was to come. So, I mean, the, the, the next day was the, the first ones we saw together, which were Rubber, which we briefly mentioned. Yeah, uh, so that was the first one that we saw, which really is just about a killer tyre. There isn't uh, much more to uh, it than that. Uh, yeah, I mean... Spoiler. Well, well, not. I mean, when you see it, when I saw the Dumber, we watching the trailer, and I thought, that looks pretty fucking weird. It's even weirder when you watch it. It's like, I, I don't even know how you would explain it. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, the, the premise of a killer car tyre only sounds like it can go so far. Yeah. And as soon as it starts, I mean, automatically, well, there's, there's a kind of pull-out and reveal, but mm. the the first character to speak speaks directly to the audience and discusses other films and the nature of film watching mm. and the the reason for plot choices in films. Yeah. And it's a really funny scene. And then it just kind of gets weirder from there. There's a car tire which comes to life for no reason, uh, as the guy says, for no reason, there is no reason for it. Nothing's explained. Uh, it's partly a kind of an assessment of the view in public. 
and viewers' appetites and horror films. I mean, it's it's a really weird one to get your head around. Yeah. I it's mean, it's a French director. Right? It's a French director, and there's a, a lot of kind of Gallic sensibilities to it. It's got a lot to say on the nature of film watching and things like that, mm. as well as just being like plain yeah, weird. Yeah, it's just so weird that it's kind of cool, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's engaging. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's, it's nicely made. It's really well shot as well. Yeah. Okay. There's not. There's not much more we can say. I mean, we can pretty much skip over the next two we watched, which both of which weren't. Well, certainly to me, they weren't very good. Yeah. Um, What was it? Was it territories first? It was. It was trying to be political. It was the essential premise is: what if some right wing nut decided to reenact Guantanamo Bay style scenarios? Mm of his own volition in the backwoods on the US-Canadian border. Yeah, I mean, I like the start. I, I thought the first scene was really good. I was getting quite into it. And then you kind of see where they're going, and then it just kind of stops. I don't really know what happened. They're kind of like they're interrogating them and stuff. And then all of a sudden that's, it stops, and then they bring in this sort of rogue well, private yeah. detective. It runs out of steam, and then the third act of the film just yeah. is a complete U-turn it's of like everything that's gone before. Like some sort of Felony mullet just shows up, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if this is a spoiler, he's just like a heroin addict. And it's, it's completely unexplained and, and out of place, yeah. And it's kind of funny, yeah. I mean, he's like the best thing in it, he is. But you just wish that maybe they'd focused on him a bit yeah. earlier and interspersed him yeah. a bit throughout the film rather than turning up at he's the end, like, <laughs> turning he's the film upside down for like 10 15 minutes of just him. Uh, the other film we saw was The Shrine, which was probably. Well, I certainly thought it was worse than Territories. I don't think it was that. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. But it was, must have been just like a filler or something in there, really. It was it was all right. I didn't mind it that well. I mean, it was pretty shit. It was just entirely filled with Eastern European horror cliches. Yeah, they had, yeah. The Eastern Europeans. The, the accent. You can't trust any of them. Everything's everything's not as it seems. And they and all, it's they, really they can't really talk properly. They just sort of shout. Yeah, different language. and there's no subtitles. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a, a kind of xenophobic in many ways. Yeah. It's the acting's not very good. There's some clunky dialogue. Yeah, I mean, the best. I mean, the story is that there's this reporter that wants a story, so she's going to look for missing backpackers in Europe, pretty much, mm-hmm. and then takes her um, intern or something, maybe. Intern, yeah, for, and convenient photographer yeah. boyfriend. Who we thought for ages was Iceman, but it's actually Iceman's brother. Iceman from the X Men yeah. films, yeah. It was actually his brother. Which is funny because the next film, uh, he, we all thought that he was the we, actor again, but it turns out it this one brother. was Iceman, it was the twin brother in the next film, which was the trauma remake, Mother's Day. Yeah. Which I think we can both agree was. It was probably my very second successful. Yeah, yeah, I thought I really enjoyed it. It was um, your, your second favourite, yeah. and uh, I'd say it was probably my favourite. It was. An absolutely superior home invasion horror. I think he took quite a lot of liberties from the original one. I think it deviated quite a lot from what yeah. I've read. But, um, I mean, I found it interesting. I found it scary. I found Rebecca De Morney, who plays the, the mother of the title of a, a group of bank robbers who turn up uh, at their old house and take the, the new inhabitants and their friends hostage. Um, she's Rebecca De Morney is the mother of those characters, and she turns up and she's she's just a revelation. She's just 
if you think about her character in uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, it's that to the nth degree. Um, and there's some interesting things to say about who the real bad guys are, I suppose. Is it the... I mean, well, it is the bank robbers, but, I mean, they, it's, it's you can keep your friends close to your enemies. Yeah. So, they, I mean, everyone's, looking, right? everyone's kind of like an arsehole, the whole... Yeah. There's no really anyone, no I real think, nice people. I think the proverb I meant to say there was... Uh, with friends like these, who needs enemies? That's the one I was looking for. Mm. Because the the friends kind of turn on themselves, and yeah, there's this mistrust, and I just, I just really really enjoyed it. Which brings which brings us to the last film we saw then, which was the big crowd pleaser of the night. Yeah, um, which was Hobo with a Shotgun. It's it's the same as Machete. It's a feature length version of a fake trailer, yeah, but so it's exactly the same times. setup. It's ten times, better. but ten times the yeah. film that Machete was. Um, there was an original guy in the, the trailer that was made and it was recast and it went to the feature film with Rutger Hauer who uh, we both agree is yes. I think absolutely brilliant and he's just really like a homeless man that turns up in this town which is run by a sleazy, a sleazy gang <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, after a while really, he just wants to clean up town really yeah. I mean it looks really 80s the colours yeah. are gaudy the blood is gaudy the yeah. Kills are gaudy. I think some of the the punchlines, or if you will, some of the kind of the zingers, um, could have been for me a little bit better um, for from what I would expect from that kind of film. But I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a great film to watch in that kind of night and that kind of audience. So another one that was on my radar certainly uh, was a film called Marwin Call. Uh, it's been getting a generally positive buzz. So that was one that when I saw it in the program really appealed to me. I really wanted to see it. Um, it's a documentary, the subject of which is Mark Hogenkamp, uh, a guy who was quite brutally attacked about 10 years ago uh, and as a result had to relearn how to read, write. He had severe brain, brain damage. Um, his recovery process, as part of that, he started to almost inhabit this little world he'd created using model figures. Uh, where he lived a second life vicariously through these dolls um, and he's created an entire backstory involving Nazis and witches and beautiful women who are uh, mud wrestling or yeah. cat fighting. Um, I mean, it, it all sounds absolutely bizarre. Yeah, I mean, he's got his, like, this little model town where he's got like this army and then the characters are people that he knows, yeah. like his... Because his mum in there, his mum tends the bar and stuff like that. Yeah, and his mum is a pussy galore yeah, doll. Yeah, pussy, pussy galore doll. Which I thought was a bit weird. Because he's no memory, he doesn't remember like anything from before really. And Well, I mean, one, one thing that does come out is that he wasn't a particularly nice person before the accident. Yeah. He wasn't, that, I wasn't an awful man. Yeah, but, but that was what's, what I liked about it. They didn't sort of, you know, it's like some of those sort of things they shoot. They whitewash it. Yeah, yeah, just sort of. Just skip past it, but they do sort of say that he's not—he wasn't a nice guy before, and he does become an artist. He doesn't realize it, but other people see the potential, and before he knows it, he's—he's he's kind of the darling of this kind of New York art scene. Mm. And it's much better than I thought it was. I thought it would be quite good after hearing it, um, but probably about an hour in, I was thinking it's a really—I mean, really good documentary. It's the best documentary I've yeah. seen in years. All right, so that's quite a few films we've managed to. To sum up there, um, maybe rambling a little bit, but 
I just wondered if we could have a, a brief chat about what we thought of the festival as a whole. Um, I had intended to see more films than I actually did, but I thought that the, the range out there uh, seemed to be pretty impressive. Marwan Call, I'm quite sad I missed that one. Um, and uh, and I really enjoyed things like The Big Uneasy and Balibo, two films which are very much festival films and which you probably wouldn't see anywhere else uh, very easily. So it's great that these things are kind of curated and pulled together there. Um, what about you guys? I mean, I would say <clears throat> it's, it's a, a great atmosphere of the festival. The films are not particularly ones that are discoveries as such. You're not going to find an awful lot of kind of unheard of films. A lot of the films there are stuff that have done the festival rounds and they're just stuff that I've read about and I'm really looking forward to it. But seeing that, I mean, I would say the hit rate of films that I saw, which I I thought were absolutely fantastic, was, I mean, it was a, a really high percentage. I mean, there was very little that I didn't like. Uh, yeah, I'd probably be the same as Ross. There was most of the stuff that I saw I really enjoyed, apart from Fair Game, the Sean Penn one. Everything was really good. I'd say Marwan Cole, probably one of my favourite ones. Um, Submarine as well. Most ones already discussed, but yeah, um, yeah, it was good overall. I mean, the thing is with Glasgow, it is a festival that's very much gaining momentum. Definitely. It's only seven years old, and I mean, it, the momentum it's gained in those seven years is absolutely admirable. I think, for my money, they're doing everything right, and the more momentum it gains, the bigger names it will get, and I mean, I think it can only get better. Yeah. That's all. So it all sounds pretty positive from us, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks for listening. And uh, if you can subscribe to our audio booze, then please do. And we'll uh, hopefully have some more in the coming weeks and months.